Welcome to the Weather Gurus podcast update for Hurricane Ian. Yes, it is back a hurricane, but the good news is is that it has picked up speed. It's moving north northeast at ten miles an hour off the coast of Florida, the east coast of Florida. Now, um, want to recap Ian Hurricane Ian its first landfall really briefly before we get into the um, additional landfall that's coming up somewhere in the Carolinas here um, as of tomorrow afternoon friday afternoon eastern time so let's recap hurricane ian did make landfall as a category four storm in the exact same place hurricane charlie did in 2004 if some of you guys remember that ladies and gentlemen remember that in 2004 um, florida was traversed by four hurricanes charlie francis ivan and gene um charlie hurricane charlie hit in the same spot which was the charlotte harbor port charlotte harbor area um, off one of the barrier islands there called Cayo costa it's really sanibel island um, there, same spot, but there's some differences with the tracks of. Um, there's some differences in terms of you know the size. Obviously, Charlie was smaller. Hurricane Charlie was smaller than Hurricane Ian. Um, Hurricane Ian had a bigger wind field, um, and obviously the storm surge. Hurricane Charlie was a wind event in most places. Um, the surge in Hurricane Ian was significantly higher, um, and that's what we're going to talk about as well. But let me give you the latest coordinates and updates here. From the National Hurricane Center, courtesy of the National Hurricane Center, it's about 240 miles or 390 kilometers south of Charleston, South Carolina, or about 335 miles south-southwest of Cape Fear, North Carolina. Maximum sustained winds are at 75 miles an hour, and like I said, it's moving north-northeast at 10. It was 9 miles per hour overnight and passing through the Orlando area. Um, minimal central pressure is up to 986 millibars. 986 millibars or 29.12 inches of mercury. Now, what was crazy about this is that the tropical storm force winds of this system now extend out over, uh, let me see here. I want to get it right. Yep. Tropical storm force winds extend out over 415 miles. Okay. That's unbelievable for tropical storm force winds. What a big wind field the whole system is. Um, hurricane force winds extend out 45 miles. So that's remained constant throughout the life of this storm. Um, the hurricane force winds extending out 45 miles on either side. Tropical storm force winds, the field, the wind field of tropical storm force winds extended 415 miles when it made landfall um, and back in uh, this, the Port, uh, Fort Myers area, North Fort Myers Beach, Fort Myers area. Uh, the wind field was it basically doubled because tropical storm winds were out almost 200 miles. Now it's doubled as it's crossed over to the Atlantic Basin. A couple of key features here. I'm going to do a quick analysis for you of the um, the satellite presentation of it. What happened is the steering currents for uh, Hurricane Ian is being steered by this cold front, this trough, this cold front, basically, that got became stationary, become hung up. Most of the time in October and this time of year, we're heading into October and we have a hurricane like this. This track is not uncommon for it to track across Florida, but usually it's a faster moving storm and it turns to the northeast and it's out in one day. Like it hits, it makes landfall on the west coast of Florida somewhere along and it, you know, it quickly accelerates being picked up by these cold fronts. But the cold front has stalled. It was stationary the whole time. And this created a very difficult forecasting situation. Usually, and that thing too, usually when you have cold fronts and warm fronts, it's warm fronts, it brings showers, right? Thunderstorms and showers and induces those showers before the actual front passes through. Um, this time, since the front hung up, those showers were induced in addition to the rainfall amounts from Hurricane Ian. So it doubled the problem. And that created rainfall amounts in Orlando and places like that over a foot, 12 inches, 13 inches. And that created some flooding in the typical areas along I-4 north of Orlando in the suburbs, Altamont Springs, um, Apopka, um, 
heading towards Seminole and, and Volusia County, Daytona Beach, as well as those in the areas in Orlando that flood anyway, like under I-4 near Ivanhoe Boulevard, the 408 Expressway. But they did have to close down the Florida Turnpike coming through Orlando after you pass the um, Colonial Drive exit um, because there's some low-lying swampy areas there that got flooded out too. So in the Orlando International Airport as well, the roads going into the airport along the B-Line Expressway, the 528 toll, for those of you who know, and the roads going, the access roads going into the uh, airport were flooded. So we don't know how soon that's going to be, uh, the water's going to recede there. But the airport operations hope to get it up by Saturday, et cetera. You know, so definitely contact your airlines if you're flying out of MCO or Orlando International Airport. So back to the storm. Now, guys, I want to give you an analysis of where the storm, what the storm looks like now. The eye is over the water, the open Atlantic, east of uh, Daytona Beach and Melbourne Beach and the Cape Canaveral area here as it pulls away to the northeast. It's interesting to note that the composition of the storm has really turned extra tropical, really, but we're not going to get into semantics. So it's really, it's really became like a cold core or a cool core and low type of system right now and not a warm core as the cloud tops have warmed in the center and the center has become exposed. You know, it's not that, that tight eye wall that we've seen, that dynamic um, stadium effect. And obviously it doesn't because it went down a weekend from becoming a Category 4 to a 1 now. But um, and most of the convection is to the north and east. That has not changed um, throughout the life of this system, um, except that landfall point where it expanded before landfall, and it you know had a tight eye wall and a big forty mile eye with a you know a, a eyeball replacement cycle and everything completed around. But on the eastern side of Florida, we have a a system now with not much convection on the south side and southwest and southeast side. So that's a good thing, and we kind of have an open eye, an exposed eye, at least on the visible on the infrared brightness satellite. Here. Um, so that is a good thing. Now, one of the things to note, too, is the front has passed through, uh, the cold front has passed through, and it's basically hung up along the Jacksonville coastline and the Georgia coastline all the way up through the Mid-Atlantic, etc., because we have uh, red flag warnings for uh, Pensacola, Mobile, Biloxi, and up through Birmingham, Alabama. This is because the dry air has already filtered in through most of the northern Gulf of Mexico and all the way out, and that's visible, that's uh uh, made visible on the satellite on the water vapor here if we turn to the water vapor here and we can see the dry air see all this dark lines here the dark lines on the water vapor um is either represented by orange color or a um, dark gray color that's represents dry air now uh ian is in an environment where there's dry air it's surrounded by dry air that's pushing up against it and against this cold front here and as it makes its way north what we can what can we expect well we can expect a, there's going to be a slight storm surge as the winds are going to be coming in from the south south uh east into the coastline of georgia the sea Isles, from brunswick all the way up through savannah hilton head columbia the low country uh, south carolina holly hill charleston kiwa island folly beach all of that um is going to be experiencing a storm surge in the beginning so the storm surge may be on the, anywhere on the order from three to five feet um and then it's going to lessen as the winds become offshore as um Hurricane Ian moves up along the coast and makes landfall. The winds, the winds will switch directions and come from the northwest offshore wind, and so the the, the blow out the water. So there will be no longer a storm surge, and it will just be a rain event. Um, and most of the rain here is supposed to be limited. We don't, we're not quite sure how much rain it's in, but right now the thinking is the rain is going to be about five to eight inches. It's not going to be as much as Florida, where you got twelve to eighteen inches on the stripe along the I four corridor from I four um, Tampa, Orlando, Daytona Beach, and areas south and Sebring and all of that Avon Park. 
Um, it's not going to be as much rain as that. However, it is going to be a significant amount considering this area haven't seen that much rain before. So between five to eight inches of rain inland from Columbia, South Carolina, Augusta, Georgia, into Charlotte, um, the Piedmont, up through upstate South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, and then the Asheville, North Carolina, and the mountains of West, uh, I'm sorry, mountains of North, North Carolina there. Um, and because of the elevation, they may experience some um, orographic lifting, you know, some squeezing out of the rain there. And so they may get some maximum totals there of 9 to 10 inches of rain in the mountains of North Carolina um, and in the upstate there. But we'll have to wait and see of what's left because right now the convection is it's not as strong as it has been. Um, the thunderstorms are not towering. They're not blossoming here on the, on, on the water vapor and everything as we've seen before. And uh, it looks a little disjointed. So the system is fighting some um, some dry air. Um, associated with the cold front have already having already passed through the I-10 corridor, meaning Tallahassee, Lake City, um, and on through Jacksonville, just about here. And so, since it's merged here, it's kind of system is kind of merged into the uh, to the front here. Um, it's fighting some dry air and circulation problems. So it is a hurricane, no doubt, a Category One. But the difference between 70 and 70 miles an hour wind and 75 miles an hour wind is not that much. So I think the coastline of Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina can handle that because once it goes in, it's going to quickly, rapidly weaken to a depression. Um, and also and, and continue on. It'll just, just be a rain, tropical rainstorm by then. So I think they'll be okay with that, most of the areas there. But like I said, be careful for the flooding and the, and the things in those areas, um, especially along I-95, those areas in Lumberton, North Carolina, Wilmington, Cape Fear. Uh, the rivers down there, as you know, they, it doesn't take much to flood those areas. And the upstate and Midlands areas of South Carolina could flood out too um, with localized street flooding and all of that. So just be careful because Ian, Hurricane Ian's continuously surprised us with its track and forecast track to the right of the cone and also, you know, with all of the rainfall that's just imagined to get and the convection despite the dry air that's um, being entrained against, backed up against the system here to the west of it. Um, uh, so it's interesting to see that, that squeeze play there. Now, guys, I want to talk to you about the area where we saw the most storm surge here. According to Google Maps here, the most storm surge came into Captiva Island, which is an island off the coast of Fort Myers, Florida. We have the Charlotte Harbor Inland Harbor here. We have the uh, Charlotte Harbor Bay here. And outside the Charlotte Harbor Bay, we have these barrier islands out here, Fort Myers Beach, like Fort Myers Beach, Sanibel Island, and Captiva Island. These areas experienced storm surge on the, on the order, somewhere of the order of 14 to 16 feet that it knocked out the Causeway Bridge, the Sanibel Causeway Bridge, the toll road that connects them to the mainland of Fort Myers. Um, and because of which, this is going to take months to repair. Um, and the governor has already spoken about that. Governor DeSantis was down there, Ron DeSantis of Florida. We have 23 million people in Florida, 22 million people. And we get 20 million visitors, and a lot of visitors come down here to this southwest portion to vacation. Snowbirds from New York, New Jersey, Maine, um, uh, the D.C. area, they come down here to Fort Myers, Sanibel Island, um, Naples, and those areas to vacation, and also just have, you know, a summer vacation home or a timeshare down there. Well, this area is flooded. So Fort Myers experienced about a storm surge topping 10 feet. Um, that's a record for them, eight between 8 to 10 feet. Naples experienced a storm surge, a record for them, around 8 feet. And, and areas south of there, Key West even experienced a storm surge, which was high for them, and the storm was uh, like 200, uh, 150 miles to the west of them as it passed them. They experienced a storm surge above 3 feet, 3.5 feet. Um, so we had, uh, and, and the storm surge was highest there. As a result, because the winds were coming in off the bay like this, coming in to in a south southwesterly direction, pumping that water in through these inlets here. Um, and as you know, uh, Fort Myers and Cape Coral are separated by the Kusiasee River. And the Kusiasee River began, the um, water became in there, and it flooded, and it compounded the effect. 
because the city's built on the river the water pumps up uh, the storm surge came up through the river and it just compounded the effect and that created a huge amount of storm surge and fort myers beach was absolutely destroyed they had a 12-foot storm surge out there are uh, more 12 foot plus we don't know the official numbers until after they, the damage survey teams that had that for us coming up in the week uh the week here so sanibel island uh, Fort Myers Beach, Captiva Island, these areas, Pine Island, they experienced storm surge over 12 feet, guaranteed. Uh, most likely it was on the order of 15 to 16 feet, really. Um, and that's what came in during the height of the storm after the eye passed and all of that nature there. So that's what we had. Now, in the Tampa area, I want to mention the Tampa Bay area, they were blessed to not have that. Tampa Bay, they had an out tide because the winds were coming in from the northeast. That was pushing the water out of Tampa Bay and out of old Tampa Bay and out to sea. So they experienced an out tide, a negative storm surge that you might have seen on TV in the reports because of that. And the winds never did switch back around uh, the direction that, that most people thought. It never did switch around back around to the northwest to push any water. So they didn't get any storm surge or minimum water rise either. They might have got a foot water rise um, at all. But the winds were gusty around 60 miles an hour. Orlando had a gust of 70 miles an hour, but nobody had sustained winds um, at hurricane force as Char like they did with Hurricane Charlie as a Cat 1. Um, so it came through, Ian is different that way. It came through more of a tropical storm. Orlando had winds sustained around 40 to 50, and some gusts occasionally got around 70 or 80. Um, the highest gust, was, of course, was in Daytona Beach. They had a 98-mile-an-hour gust and stuff like that. But really, guys, all in all, um, the power outage situation looks great from Tampa to Orlando. Most of them have underground utilities, underground power, so they look great. Only a few communities lost power in Orlando and the Tampa area, mostly due to trees down and because they lost power, because trees were down, they turned out the power so they can get the trees. And, you know, and some streets were flooded, so they had to turn out the power. Some power companies chose to turn out the power there because, they, you know, when the streets are flooded, you don't want kids or anybody anybody outside playing around who, you know, just want to see what happens. So the flooding was issue in Kissimmee in Orlando. Like I said, Kissimmee is about uh, 25, 30 minutes south of Orlando. There was flooding around Highway 192 and along the lakefront there. Um, Kissimmee's um, bordered by a lake here, as I'm showing you on Google Maps here, big lake top, Lake Toho, and there was some flooding there, of course, and flooding in the downtown area as well. And Orlando's surrounded by lakes, and um, there was some flooding on the turnpike that closed the turnpike down, and, and I-4 down. There was a flooding on I-4. Like I said, Ivanhoe Boulevard exit, North Orlando, and there's some flooding in South Orlando off of I-4. Um, Somewhere below the John Young Parkway exit. So that's what was going on, guys, in the Orlando area. So this is just a brief recap of Hurricane Ian. Once again, it's heading toward the Carolinas for its second landfall. And we can't forget about Cuba because Cuba, Western Cuba, had that landfall on Pinar del Rio as a Category 3. So really it's going to make one, two. This will be its... Um, really third landfall technically so because cuba also experienced that and cuba's getting power back online um it damaged a lot of the tobacco farms there in western cuba i heard uh, reports were telling us on AccuWeather, but um other they're getting their power back online i believe about 50 or 60 percent of people now are back online with power in cuba the nation the island nation of cuba so um i pray with everyone this was going to be the store uh the storm of the month uh, Hurricane Ian, and most likely the name could possibly be retired. Um, if there's, uh, and one other thing too is that we don't know how many fatalities, um, or deaths were on those people on the island here. That some people chose to stay behind, as you know, there were mandatory evacuations, but some people chose to stay behind on Sanibel Island and on this Captiva Island and on Pine Island, even though there were mandatory evacuations. So we don't know if there's any fatalities. We'll find that out in the next two weeks. Search and rescue teams have been coming in from, um, Miami-Dade Fire Rescue and all the special uh, Cajun Navy groups, all the groups that are trained in water rescues are out there 
and um, they'll let us know. But so far, so good. We haven't had any reports of fatalities or deaths related to storm surge yet. So that's excellent news. Everybody heeded the evacuations for the most part, got on I-75, got on I-4, and got at least away from the coast and into with family members or into hotels or wherever the situation uh, warranted. So that's an excellent um, thing. Um, with this storm and when we had that couple of one tornadoes over here on the east side too as well as a matter of fact you know we had that report i think it was out of broward county it was an ef1 or ef0 that did some damage to planes and tossed some planes some cessna planes type planes and stuff like that but we didn't have a whole lot of tornado outbreak too last night from the i4 quarter as it made its way through sebring orlando um, lakeland and up through sanford uh altamont springs daytona beach the i4 corridor and on through palm coast and out back out to sea so that was great news we didn't have much of a tornado threat this morning either so that's great news now this next landfall i'm not sure about um coming up here in the carolinas we're not sure about if they have any a, a heavy tornado threat please check the spc the storm prediction center for that but um so far so good we're blessed in that sense even though it's a much destruction from the water storm but um, we're blessed that it wasn't so far that many um fatalities or anything like that and people heeded the warnings for mandatory evacuations off the west coast of florida from tampa southward basically so that's a great thing thank you for joining me on this five o'clock update on hurricane ian um i will bring you more updates later on uh tomorrow as we warranty and closer to the weekend and i think become more clear and as well as talk about other things other than the tropics and more educational topics here we hope to talk about as far as um, how hurricanes form and, and, and not just hurricane season, but also other things that may be happening in the lower 48 United States as well as internationally as well. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to seeing you. Be pleased to subscribe to this channel, The Weather Guru. Tell your friends and family as well. Thank you. Have a great afternoon.